0: Section twenty one of History of New England, sixteen thirty to sixteen forty nine. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. History of New England, sixteen thirty to sixteen forty nine, by John Winthrop. Section twenty one, sixteen forty five. Part two. We had intelligence from Pascatiquac of a French ship of two hundred tons, full of men which hovered up and down and would not take harbour though a pilot had been offered them by a fisher's boat of isle of shoals whereupon we all concluded it was monsieur de alnay lying in wait for the tour on the wind continuing easterly we had intelligence from plymouth that she was embayed near sandwich among the shoals the court consulted what was to be done some advised to take no notice of her lest if we should send out to her we should be necessitated in common courtesy to invite him to boston and so put ourselves to a needless charge and an interruption in our business, for being but one ship there was no fear of any danger, etc. But the major part prevailed to send out two shallops in the letter which we had ready to send him, but before the shallops could get out she was gone, and it was found after to be a fishing ship which had lost her way by contrary ones, etc. I should have mentioned in the Hingham case what Karen Payne's many of the elders had taken to reconcile the differences which were grown in that church. Mr. Hubbard, the pastor there, being of a presbyterial spirit, did manage all affairs without the church's advice, which diverse of the congregation not liking of, they were divided in two parts. Lieutenant Ms, etc., having complained to the magistrates, as is before expressed, Mr. Hubbard, etc., would have cast him out of the church, pretending that he had told a lie, whereupon they procured the elders to write to the church, and so did some of the magistrates also, whereupon they stayed proceeding against the lieutenant for a day or two but he and some twelve more of them perceiving he was resolved to proceed and finding no way of reconciliation they withdrew from the church and openly declared it to the congregation this course the elders did not approve of but being present in the court when their petition against the deputy governor was heard mr Hubbard, perceiving the cause was like to go against him and his party desired the elders to go to hingham to mediate a reconciliation which he had never hearkened to before being earnestly sought by the other party and offered by the elders in the interim of the court's adjournment for one week. They readily accepted the motion, and went to Hingham and spent two or three days there, and found the pastor and his party in great fault, but could not bring him to any acknowledgment. When they returned by water, they were kept twenty-four hours in the boat, and were in great danger by occasion of a tempest which arose in the night, but the Lord preserved them. This year the trial of Austin arrived from London, and brought many useful commodities from thence and from Holland. She had been preserved in diverse most desperate dangers, having been on ground upon the sands of Flushing, and again by Dover, and in great tempests, but the Lord delivered him beyond expectation. Here arrived about ten ships more, one of her own called the Endeavour of Cambridge, which brought store of linen, woolen, shoes, stockings, and other useful commodities. So as we had plenty of all things, and diverse of the ships took pay in wheat, rye, peas, etc., so as there went out of this country this year about twenty thousand bushels of corn." Yet it was feared no ships would come to us, because we had suffered the Bristol and Dartmouth ships to be taken in our harbor. The Parliament also had made an ordinance to free all goods from custom, which came to New England, which caused the magistrates to dispense with an order, made the last general court, for all ships to pay sixpence the ton, which we freed all Parliament ships from, in good reason, for by that ordinance we might have gotten twenty or thirty pounds this year, and by the ordinance of Parliament we saved three or four hundred pounds. When one of the ships came near Cape Ann 26 August 2045 20, an hour and a half before night there appeared to all the company a sun near the horizon more bright than the true sun which was seen above it and continued near an hour there being a small cloud between the true sun and that this was affirmed by diverse persons of credit who were seen of this country and then in the ship but was not seen by any upon the shore captain wall was master of the ship the merchants of Boston sent a pinnace the last winter to trade in Delaware Bay. She traded upon Maryland's side, and had gotten a good parcel of beaver. At last the Indians came aboard, and while the English, who were about five and a boy, were trading with some of them, others drew out hatchets from under their coats, and killed the master and three others, and took the other and the boy, and carried them on shore, and rifled the pinnace of all her goods and sails, etc. Soon after, other Indians came upon these, and slew the Sachem, and took away all their goods they had stolen. There is one red man suspected to betray their penis, for he being Linkester, footnote, Linkester linguister, interpreter, in footnote, because he could speak the language, and being put out of that employment for his evil carriage, did bear ill will to the master, and the Indians spared him, and gave him a good part of the spoil, and he lived amongst them five or six weeks, till the Swedish governor procured other Indians to go fetch him and the boy to his fort, from whence they were brought to Boston. And the said red man was tried for his life, and being found guilty by the grand jury, was deferred his farther trial in expectation of more evidence to come from Delaware. The governor, Mr. Endicott, having received a letter from Monsieur de alnay in the spring, wherein he slighted us very much and charged us with breach of covenant in entertaining Latour, in sending home his lady, etc., we returned a sharp answer to him by Mr. Allen, declaring our innocency. In that we sent not the lady home but she hired three london ships etc as is before related page 208 when he had received this letter he was in a great rage and told mr Allen that he would return no answer nor would he permit him to come within his fort but lodged him in his gunner's house without the gate and himself came daily and dined and supped with him but at last he wrote to her governor in very high language requiring satisfaction for burning his mill etc and threatening revenge etc so the matter rested till the meeting of the commissioners in the seventh month next, and then their agreement to the peace was sent to him by a special messenger, Captain Robert Bridges, as is hereafter declared. We understood for certain afterward that Monsieur Latour's fort was taken by assault and sillado footnote Escalade in footnote that Monsieur de Alnay lost in the attempt twelve men, and had many wounded, and that he had put to death all the men, both French and English, and had taken the lady, who died within three weeks after, and her little child and her gentlewoman were sent into France. Latour valued his jewels, plate, household ordnance, and other movables at ten thousand pounds. The more was his folly to leave so much substance in so great danger, when he might have brought the most of it to Boston, whereby he might have discharged his engagements of more than two thousand five hundred pounds to Major Edward Gibbons, who by this loss was now quite undone, and might have had somewhat to maintain himself and his men, for want whereof his servants were forced to go out of the country, some to the Dutch, and others to France, and he himself to lie at other men's charge. But in the spring he went to Newfoundland, and there was courteously entertained by Sir David Kirk, the governor, who promised him assistance, etc. But he returned to Boston again by the vessel which carried him, and all the next winter was entertained by Mr. Samuel Maverick at Noddles Island. Footnote. Latour later had better fortune. D'Alney, dying in 1650, Latour, then a widower, married the widow of D'Alney. Hutchinson, History of Massachusetts Bay, Volume 1, page 127. Note. and footnote. Some of our merchants of Boston and Charleston sent forth a ship and other vessels to Newfoundland upon a fishing voyage. They went not to Ferryland, where they might have been in safety, but went to the Bay of Bulls. and when they had near made their voyage, Captain Fern's ships, being of the king's party, came and took their ship and most of their fish, so the men returned safe but lost their voyage. Ferns was hereby five ship's strongs, and so went to the Seras, and there fought with two ships of London and a Scotch ship, who sunk two of Fern's ships and made him fly with the rest. Captain Thomas Hawkins, a shipwright of London, who had lived here diverse years, had built at Boston a ship of four hundred tons and upward, and had set her out with much strength of ordnance, an ornament of carving, painting, etc., and called her the Sea Fort, and of the last, twenty three, nine, november twenty third, he set sail from Boston, accompanied with another ship of London, Mr. Kerman, master, laden with bolts, tobacco, etc., for Malago. When well, they came near the coast of Spain in the evening, some of the company supposed they saw land, yet they sailed on all the night, with a fair gale, and towards the morning they saw a light or two, which they conceiving to have been in some ships, either Turks or others, they prepared their ships, and stood on towards them but some three hours before day blank timber december both ships struck aground and presently break nineteen were drowned whereof mr kerman was one and one mr thomas coitmore of charleston a right godly man and an expert seaman was another and mr pratt and his wife this man was above sixty years old an experienced surgeon who had lived in new england many years and was of the first church at cambridge in mr hooker's time and had good practice and wanted nothing but he had been long discontented because his employment was not so profitable to himself as he desired and it is like he feared lest he should fall into want in his old age and therefore he would needs go back into england for surgeons were then in great request there by occasion of the wars but god took him away childless the rest of the company both women and children who went passengers that way into england choosing to go in that ship because of her strength and convenience rather than in another ship which went right for england and arrived safe there were all saved upon pieces of the ship, and by the help of a rope which one of the seamen swam on shore with. And although the ships at first grounded two or three miles from the shore, yet, through the Lord's great mercy, they were heaved by the seas, near to the dry land, before they fell in pieces. This was five miles from Kales. Footnote. Cadiz. In footnote. In the morning the poor people of the island came down, and pillaged all they could come by, yea, they took away some pieces of plate which the passengers had saved. But when they came to the city, naked and barefoot, as they were frighted out of their cabins, the Spaniards used them kindly, especially the women, clothed them, and took them into their houses. There was an English ship there in the roads, where of one Mr. Marriott was master. He entertained as many as a ship could stow, and clothed many of them with his own clothes. The Lord reward him. The governor of the ship gave Captain Hawkins five hundred pounds for the wreck of his ship. The same Captain Hawkins, going for London, found much favor with his creditors and others his friends there, so as the next year they employed him to Malago to meet a New England ship called Blank, built at Cambridge, and freight for Malago with pipe stays, fish, and other commodities, which he was to freight thence with wine, etc., for London. But as she was on her voyage, Captain Hawkins being in her, and twelve other ships in company, they being come out of the strait's mouth, footnote, strait of Gibraltar, in footnote, they were taken with such violent tempest at South as they were five of them whereof Captain Hawkins' ship was one cast upon the same place at Cales where his ship was wrecked the year before, and there all their ships were cast away, but all the men in Captain Hawkins' ships were saved, and most of the rest. This was two twelve forty five footnote February second sixteen forty five slash six in footnote the scarcity of good ministers in england and want of employment for our new graduates here occasioned some of them to look abroad three honest young men good scholars and very hopeful these a younger son of mr higginson to england and so to holland and after to the east indies a younger son of mr buckley a bachelor of arts to england and mr george downing footnote of these hopeful youths george downing later figured prominently upon the old world stage Quick, adroit, and indefatigable, he passed rapidly to the post of scoutmaster-general, serving the Commonwealth as chief of the intelligence department, and later as an instrument of Cromwell in high diplomatic position. As unprincipled as able, he became the tool of Charles II at the Restoration, and was charged with having given over to execution three regicides, his old associates, one of them the commander under whom he had served, the Colonel Oki mentioned above. As envoy to the Netherlands, he had much to do with bringing about the Second Dutch War and the acquisition of New Netherland. His defective character was recognized by his contemporaries. Pepys, who had a place under him, calls him a, quote, perfidious rogue, quote. Diary, March 12, 1662. He is Winthrop's nephew, the first son of Harvard to attain high distinction. For Downing's method, see Pepys, Diary, December 27, 1668. In footnote, son of Mr. Emanuel Downing of Salem, Bachelor of Arts also, about twenty years of age, went in a ship to the West Indies to instruct the seamen. He went by Newfoundland, and so to Christopher's, and Barbados, and Nevis, and being requested to preach in all these places, he gave such content as he had large offers made to stay with them. But he continued in the ship to England, and being a very able scholar, and of a ready wit and fluent utterance, he was soon taken notice of, and called to be a preacher in Sir Thomas Fairfax's army, to Colonel Okey his regiment the inhabitants of boston charlestown cambridge roxbury and dorchester conceiving that the fortification at castle island which by a late order of court was deserted would be of great use for their defense against a foreign enemy agreed among themselves with leave the court to repair and fortify the same and accordingly they chose a committee out of the several towns to raise means and to get the work done whereupon the old earthwork was slighted and a new work of pine trees blank foot square fourteen feet high and blank foot thick was reared with four bulwarks which cost in all blank but finding the charge of the work and the maintenance of a garrison to be over heavy for them they petitioned the general court in blank to afford assistance which with much difficulty was at length obtained to this effect in the beginning of the winter a portugal ship laying at Natascot now called hull the seamen stole diverse goats off the islands there complaint thereof being made to the governor and council they gave warrant to one mr smith who then lay with the ship in the same place to require the portugal to give satisfaction or else to bring his ship up to boston mr smith who was a member of the church of boston sent one thomas kaiser his mate with his long-boat well manned to require satisfaction who coming to the portugal did not reason the case with him nor give him any time to consider but presently boarded him and took possession of his ship and brought her up and his men fell to rifling his ship as if she had been a prize the portugal being brought to the magistrates and the theft proved he was ordered to make double restitution as our manner was and the seamen were made to restore what they had taken out of the ship so the portugal departed well satisfied the said mr james smith with his mate Keyser, was bound to guinea to trade for negroes but when they arrived there they met some londoners with whom they consorted, and the Londoners, having been formerly injured by the natives, or at least pretending the same, they invited them aboard one of their ships upon the Lord's Day, and such as came they kept prisoners. Then they landed men and a murderer, and assaulted one of their towns and killed many of the people. But the country coming down, they were forced to retire without any booty, diverse of their men being wounded with the negroes' arrows, and one killed. Mr. Smith, having taken in wine at Medeiridis, sailed to Barbados to put off his wine but being engaged there, and his wife being there also unprovided of maintenance, and his ship and cargo bound over to the said Kayser, his mate, and others of Boston, who set out the ship, Kaiser refused to let any of the wines go on shore, except he might have security for the proceeds to be returned on shipboard. So the ship lay a week in the roads, and then Kayser, fearing that the master would use some means by other ships which rode there to deprive him of the cargo, told him plainly that if he would not come aboard and return to Boston, which was the last port they were bound to, would carry away the ship and leave behind him, which accordingly he did, and arriving at Boston about midsummer, he repaired to the magistrates and told them how he was come away, and tendered the cargo to them, who finding that it was engaged to himself and others, and that there would be great loss in the wines if they were not presently disposed, delivered them to the merchants and himself, taking bond of them to be responsible to Mr. Smith, etc. A short time after Mr. Smith came, and brought his action against Kieser and other mariners for bringing away the ship, and by a jury of seamen and merchants recovered three or four times the value of what he was damnified, and the mate Keyser to lose not only his wages, but he and the rest of the merchants to lose the proceed of interest agreed for their stock in adventure, which was forty percent, and all the mariners to lose their wages. But diverse of the magistrates being unsatisfied with his verdict, perceiving that the jury in their displeasure against Kieser, etc., did not only regard smith's satisfaction for his damages but also the punishment of keezer etc the defendants of the next court brought a review and then another jury abated much of the former damages whereupon the plaintiff smith preferred a petition to the next general court for the matter of the negroes whereof two were brought home in the ship and near one hundred slain by the confession of some of the mariners the magistrates took order to have those two set at liberty and to be sent home But for the slaughter committed, they were in great doubt what to do in it, seeing it was in another country, and the Londoners pretended a just revenge. So they called the elders and desired their advice. Footnote. This compunction of the Massachusetts magistrates seems rather in advance of the time. The colony records for the date show their sentiment to have been sustained by the community. In footnote. Mr. Israel Stone, one of the magistrates, having been in England about merchandise, and returned with good advantage, went for England again the last winter, with the verse other of our best military men, and entered into the Parliament's service. Mr. Stoughton was made lieutenant colonel to Colonel Rainsborough, Mr. Nehemiah Bourne, a ship carpenter, was major to his regiment, and Mr. John Leverett, son of one of the elders of the Church of Boston, a captain of a foot company, and one William Hudson, ensign of the same company, Leo, surgeon of the Earl of Manchester's lifeguard. Those did good service and were well approved, but Mr. Stoughton, falling sick and dying at Lincoln, the rest all returned to their wives and families. But three of them went to England again about the end of the year, but came back again and settled themselves here, all save the surgeon. Footnote. Of Stoughton, mention has already been made. John Leverett, returning from his English experiences, became a citizen of the first consequence, serving as deputy speaker, assistant, sergeant-major-general, and governor he occupied the supreme office five years from sixteen seventy three during which period came the terrible Philips war that was a crisis which required the heart and head of an ironside and Lovett met the situation In footnote, the Narragansetts having begun war upon Ancas, the mohegan sachem notwithstanding their covenant to the contrary and diverse messages sent to them from the commissioners to require them to forbear until a meeting might be had and the cause heard it was thought fit by the general court in the third month that though the next meeting was in course to be at new haven in the beginning of september yet in regard of the danger uncas was in and our engagement to save him harmless from any damage from me and tenema his death as also in regard of the distressed condition of Monsieur le tour who earnestly petitioned the court for relief etc the commissioners should be written to to meet at boston in the twenty-eighth of the fifth month which was done accordingly the names of the commissioners and all their proceedings are at large set down in the books of their records, whereof every colony hath one. At this general court, which continued from 14.3 to 5.5, 5, footnote, May 14th to July 5th, the Records of Massachusetts, volume 2, page 112 for this court, contains an order for a rate of 616 pounds, 15 shillings. It was assessed in the following proportions. Boston, 100 pounds. Ipswich, 61 pounds, 10 shillings. Charlestown, 55 pounds. Salem forty five pounds, Cambridge forty five pounds, Dorchester forty three pounds seventeen shillings sixpence, Watertown forty one pounds five shillings, Roxbury thirty seven pounds ten shillings, Lynn twenty five pounds, etc. In footnote, the military officers prevailed with much importunity to have the whole power of these affairs committed to them, which was thought by divers of the court to be very unfit and not so safe in times of peace but a great part of the court being military officers and others not willing to contend any further about it the order passed Then convenience whereof appeared soon after and will more in future time the taking of the Bristol ship in our harbor by captain stag occasioned much debate in the court the deputies drew up a bill to give protection to all ships in our harbor coming as friends the magistrates foreseeing that this might put us upon a necessity of fight with some parliament ships which we were very unwilling to be engaged in and so might weaken that interest we had in the parliament they refused the bill and so diverse bills passed from one to the other before they could agree at length few of the magistrates being then in the court a bill passed to that effect but not so full as was desired but to strengthen the same and to secure all ships which come as friends into our harbour commission was given to major gibbons for boston and major sedgwick footnote robert sedgwick having spent his younger manhood in massachusetts in honourable positions at length went to England into the ranks of Cromwell. He was in the force sent by the protector to the West Indies and died there in 1656, a major general, in footnote, for Charleston to keep the peace in the said towns and not to permit any ships to fight in the harbor without license from authority. 14.5. July 14th. A new watch house set up on the fort hill at Boston was smote with lightning and the boards and timber at one end of it torn in pieces and many of the shingles of the covering torn off. 25. Monsieur Latour, having stayed here all the winter, and thus far of the summer, and having petitioned the court for aid against Monsieur de Alny, and finding no hope to attain help that way, took shipping in one of our vessels which went on fishing to Newfoundland, hoping by means of Sir David Kirk, governor there, and some friends he might procure in England to obtain aid from thence, intending for that end to go from thence to England. Sir David entertained him courteously, and promised to do much for him, but no means of hope appearing to answer his ends, he returned hither before winter, Sir David giving him passage in a vessel of his which came hither. Captain Bailey being returned to England, and informing Alderman Barclay of the proceedings here against him, and Mr. Barclay his brother in the business of the Lady Latour, withal he carried a certificate of the proceedings of the court under the hands of diverse persons of good credit here, who although they reported truth for the most part— yet not the whole truth, being somewhat prejudiced in the case. They were called in question about it after, for the offense was great, and they had been censured for it, if proof could have been had for a legal conviction. Whereby the alderman was so incensed as he attached a ship of ours, being then arrived at London. But being persuaded to release the ship, he attached two of New England fees, Mr. Stephen Winthrop, who was recorder of the court when the cause was tried, and Captain Joseph Weld, who was one of the jury, so as they were forced to find sureties in a bond of four thousand pounds to answer him in the court of admiralty. But it pleased God to stir them up such friends viz. Sir Henry Vane, who had some time lived at Boston, and though he might have taken occasion against us for some dishonor which he apprehended to have been unjustly put upon him here, yet both now and at other times he showed himself a true friend to New England, and a man of a noble and generous mind, etc. Footnote. An entry pleasant to read, giving proof of the magnanimity of Vane, who could do a service to a colony which had slighted him and cast out his friends and also of Winthrop, who could forget many occasions of offence to commend an old opponent in and some others by Mr. Peter's means, so as although he spared for no cause, yet he was forced to give over a suit in the admiralty and then procure it out of chancery a ne exiat regno against them, but the cause being heard there, and they discharged, he petitioned the lords of the Parliament pretending great injuries which he was not able to prove for letters of reprisal after he had tried all means in vain he was brought at length to sit down and lose his charges and they theirs one march fifth many books coming out of england some in defense of anabaptism and other errors, and for liberty of conscience as a shelter for their toleration etc others in maintenance of the presbyterial government agreed upon by the De- assembly of divines in england against the congregational way which is practiced here the elders of the churches through all the united colonies agreed upon a meeting at cambridge this day where they conferred their councils and examined the writings which some of them had prepared in answer to the said books which being agreed and perfected were sent over into england to be printed the several answers were these mr hooker in answer to mr Rutherford, the scotch minister about presbyterial government which being sent in the new haven ship was lost while mr hooker lived he could not be persuaded to let another copy go over but after his death a copy is sent and returned in print three forty eight footnote may sixteen forty eight this was hooker's famous survey of the sum of church discipline london sixteen forty eight the preface of which may be seen in old south leaflets number fifty five in footnote a sad business fell out this year in boston one of the brethren of the church there being in england in the parliament service about two years had committed the care of his family and business to another of the same church a young man of good esteem for piety and sincerity but his wife was in england who in time grew over familiar with the master's wife a young woman no member of the church so as she would be with him often in his chamber etc and one night two of the servants being up perceived him to go up into their dame's chamber which coming to the magistrate's knowledge they were both sent for and examined but it was not discovered till about a quarter of a year after her husband being then come home and confessed not only that he was in the chamber with her and in such a suspicious manner but also that he was in bed with her but both denied any carnal knowledge and being tried by a jury upon their lives by our law which makes adultery death the jury acquitted them of the adultery but found them guilty of adulterous behaviour this was much against the minds of many both of the magistrates and elders who judged them worthy of death but the jury attending what was spoken by others of the magistrates one that seeing the main evidence against them was their own confession of being in bed together their whole confession must be taken, and not a part of it. Second, the law requires two witnesses, but here is no witness at all, for although circumstances may amount to a testimony against a person where the fact is evident, yet it is otherwise where no fact is apparent. Three, all that the evidence could evince was but suspicion of adultery, but neither God's law nor ours doth make suspicion of adultery, though never so strong, to be death. Whereupon the case seeming doubtful to the jury, they judged it safest in case of life to find as they did so the court adjudged them to stand upon the ladder at the place of execution with halters about their necks one hour and then to be whipped Or each of them to pay twenty pounds the husband although he condemned his wife's immodest behaviour yet was so confident of her innocency in point of adultery as he would have paid twenty pounds rather than she should have been whipped but their estate being but mean she chose rather to submit to the rest of her punishment that their husband should suffer so much for her folly so he received her again and they lived lovingly together all that she had to say for herself upon her trial was the same which she had revealed to her husband as soon as he came home before the matter had been discovered viz that he did indeed come into bed to her which so soon as she perceived she used the best arguments she could to dissuade him from so foul a sin so as he lay still and did not touch her but went away again as he came and the reason why she did not cry out was because he had been very faithful and helpful to her in her husband's absence, which made her very unwilling to bring him to punishment or disgrace. This punishment of standing upon the gallows was not so well approved by some of the magistrates, because the law of God appoints in case of whipping that they should not exceed forty stripes, and the reason given is, lest thy brother should seem despised in thine eyes, and why this reason should not hold in all cases and punishments, not capital doth not appear. Twenty-nine eighth October twenty-ninth footnote here and in several subsequent places the numeral for the month is placed last contrary to the practice followed by the writer up to this point in footnote the wind east-northeast with rain so great a tempest as it drave three ships upon the shore and did very much harm besides in bulging boats and breaking down wharfs and the night after for the space of two hours the tempest arose again at south with more wind and rain than before in which Tempest one of our vessels coming from Bermuda had two men fetched overboard with the sea, and the vessel was in great danger of being foundered. At the general court held at Boston the first of this month, there was a petition preferred by diverse merchants and others about two laws, the one forbidding the entertaining of any strangers above three weeks, except such as should be allowed by two magistrates. This was made in Mrs. Hutchinson's time. The other for banishing Anabaptists made the last year. The petitioners complained to the court of the offense taken thereat by many godly in England, and that some churches there did thereupon profess to deny to hold communion with such of our churches as should resort thither, whereupon they entreated the court that they would please to take the said laws into further consideration, and to provide as far as they might for the indemnity of such of ours as to go into England. Many of the court well inclined for these and other considerations to have had the execution of those laws to have been suspended for a season but many of the elders hearing of it went first to the deputies and after to the magistrates and laying before them what advantage it would give to the anabaptists who began to increase very fast through the country here and much more in england where they had gathered diverse churches and taught openly and had published a confession of their faith entreated that the law might continue still in force and the execution of it not suspended though they disliked not that all lenity and patience should be used for convincing and reclaiming such erroneous persons whereupon the court refused to make any further order about the petition. C. 60, a counter-petition. Footnote. See Post, page 271. There came hither to Boston at the same time out of England one Captain Partridge, who had served the Parliament, but in the ship he broached and zealously maintained diverse points of antinomianism and familism, for which he was called before the magistrates and charged with the said opinions, to which he refused to give any answer but before he departed he was willing to confer with mr cotton which accordingly he did and mr cotton reported to the magistrates that he found him corrupt in his judgment but ignorant of those points which he had maintained so as he perceived he had been but lately taken with them and that upon argument he was come off from some of the worst of them and he had good hope to reclaim him wholly but some of the magistrates requiring a present renouncing of all under his hand he the said captain was not willing to that before he was clearly convinced of his error in them It was moved by some of the magistrates, in regard he had made so hopeful a beginning, and that winter was now at hand, that it would be very hard to expose his wife and family to such hardships, etc., to permit him to stay here till the spring. But the major part, by one or two voting the contrary, he was forced to depart, and so went to Rhode Island. This strictness was offensive to many, though approved of by others. But, sure, the rule of hospitality to strangers, and of seeking to pluck out of the fire, such as there may be, Hope of to be reduced out of error and snare of the devil, do you seem to require more moderation and indulgence of human infirmity, or there appears not obstinacy against the clear truth? This year, about twenty families, most of them of the church of Braintree, petitioned the court for allowance to begin a plantation at the place where Gorton and his company had erected three or four small houses upon the land of Pumham, the and Satcham by Narragneset, who had submitted himself and country to this jurisdiction the court readily granted their petition promising all encouragement etc for it was of great concernment to all the english in these parts that a strong plantation should be there as a bulwark etc against the Ragnesets. but mr john brown one of the magistrates of plymouth and then one of their commissioners for the united colonies dwelling at rehoboth and intending to drive a trade with the indians in those parts meeting with some of ours when they went to view the place and to take the bounds of it forbade them in the name of the government of plymouth proceed in the said plantation telling them that it belonged to Plymouth and that it should be restored to the right owners, meaning Gorton and its company. Whereupon the planters, not willing to run any hazard of contention of a place in a country where there is room enough, gave over their purpose and disposed themselves otherwise, some removed more southward and others stayed where they were. This practice of Mr. Brown being complained of to the governor of the Massachusetts, Mr. Dudley, he informed the magistrates of Plymouth thereof by letter, who returned answer, that mr brown had no order from their court to forbid the proceedings etc for they should have been glad to have had the place planted by us though the right of it were as they conceived in themselves and for that end referred themselves to an order of the commissioners wherein liberty is given to the massachusetts to take course with the court and the lands they had possessed etc and therein is a proviso that it should not prejudice the right of plymouth etc but they took not the rest of the order wherein it follows that all such lands of english or indians as had submitted themselves to the government of the massachusetts should not be comprised in that proviso now this land where the plantation should have been erected was part of Pullman's land when our general court wrote to the governor and council of plymouth to the same effect with desire to have their further answer about the same and for satisfaction about mr brown's carriage herein The governor and three magistrates returned answer, that Mr. Brown had commissioned in general to forbid any to plant upon their jurisdiction within the Narragansett River without their leave, which, if any of ours would seek, they might have. But the case being after put to the commissioners for explanation of their said order, they resolved for the Massachusetts. 8. October A church was gathered at Haverhill upon the north side of Merrimack, and Mr. John Ward chosen an ordained pastor. About the same time a church was also gathered at Andover upon the south side of Merrimack, and Mr Woodbridge ordained pastor. Footnote John Woodbridge was a son in law of Governor Dudley. After a term at Andover, he returned to England, becoming their minister at Andover in Wiltshire. Driven thence in sixteen sixty two in the general expulsion of the nonconformists, he came back to America, in Footnote. five nine, november fifth. A church was gathered at Reading, and mister Green ordained pastor, he was a very godly man and died 8 october 48 the village at jeffrey's creek was named manchester and the people there not yet being in church state had procured mr smith sometimes pastor of the church of plymouth to preach to them at the last general court it was ordered that diverse farmers belonging to ipswich and salem but not so far distant from either town that they could not duly repair to the public ordinances there should erect a village and have liberty to gather a church This was much deposed by those of the town of Ipswich, pleading their interest in the land, etc. But it was answered that, when the land was granted to the town, it was not intended only for the benefit of the near inhabitants, or for the maintenance of the officers of that one church only, but of all the inhabitants, and of any other church which should be there gathered. And a principal motive which led the court to grant them in other towns such vast bounds was, that, when the town should be increased by the children and servants growing up, etc., they might have place to erect villages where they might be planted, and so the land improved the more common benefit. 15. 10. December 15th. There appeared about noon, upon the north side of the sun, a great part of a circle like a rainbow, with the horns reversed, and upon each side of the sun, east and west, a bright light. And about a month after were seen three suns, about the sun setting, and about a month after that two suns at sun rising, The one continued close to the horizon, while the other, which was the true sun, arose about half an hour. This was the earliest and sharpest winter we had since we arrived in the country, and it was as vehement cold to the southward as here. Diverse of our ships were put from their anchors with the ice, and driven on shore 2510, December 25th, and one catch carried out to sea and wrecked upon Lovell's Island. At New Haven a ship bound for England was forced to be cut out of the ice three miles, and in Virginia the ships were frozen up six weeks. End of section 21.